today on CityCast Pittsburgh. It's the Friday News Roundup. I'm with CityCast Francesca DeBecco and Mallory Falk, and we're talking about all the stories we have our eyes and our ears on this week. It's Friday, August 19th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. I know I say this every week, but um, it's Friday. We made it. Hello, Mallory. Hello. Hello, Francesca. Hey. Hello. Happy to be here. Happy it's Friday. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Very happy it's Friday. <laughs> we need the weekend. But before we get into Friday, Morgan, you've got a story for us. Yeah, I'll kick things off. Uh, Governor Tom Wolf signed an executive order to push for legislation to protect LGBTQT Pennsylvanians from conversion therapy. Um, I guess if you don't really know what conversion therapy is, it's a practice of attempting to change someone's gender or sexual identity. It's very harmful. It's discredited. Um, And Governor Wolf thinks so, too. So he said that it's about keeping children safe because this therapy is causing, you know, horrific consequences um, for the mental health and well-being of of a young generation of LGBTQIA plus, you know, people. So, Morgan, you said this is an executive order to push for legislation. It's not a piece of legislation itself. So, like, what kind of power does this executive order have? What can it do in the meantime while people are, you know, waiting for laws to be passed that could continue to protect them? So, basically, it tells, like, other state government agencies that, you know, we as the state discourage this from happening because, yeah, you're right, it's not, like, it's not law. It's yet. not a ban. It's more of a like an encouragement. Yeah, like a suggestion. You know, we don't encourage this. Um, if you kind, it kind of like if you see something, say something. Almost. Um, it it basically tells the agencies to explore and implement options to make sure that like you know state funds, taxpayer money isn't going to programs like this. Contracts aren't going to programs that, you know, support conversion therapy Um, and just other resources, making sure that they're not, you know, providing, endorsing, reimbursing uh, for conversion therapy, like insurance companies even. Um, So if you kind of see a payment from commercial insurers saying, you know, we want reimbursement for conversion therapy, you know, that that can't really happen. So where else is conversion therapy banned or discouraged like it now is in Pennsylvania? It's banned in like 20 states plus D.C., um, but it's only partially banned here for minors in Pennsylvania. There was a study published in the medical journal JMA Pediatrics, um, and it found that people who underwent conversion therapy had, you know, psychological distress um, and higher rates of depression, substance abuse even suicide. So it's extremely detrimental and it's very harmful. So it would be nice, I guess, to get something in place to say that like this can't happen because that it's really uh, it's extremely mentally harmful for uh, our young generation of LGBTQT people. Yeah. And, you know, I I haven't watched this, but I do know if anyone is interested in learning about the harms of conversion therapy and how this affects queer folks. Um, There's a documentary on Netflix called Pray Away. Um, It'll probably be really hard to watch, but um, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is also kind of heavy too. We're pivoting to another part of our vulnerable um, population, Mallory. 
Yeah. So Morgan and Francesca, like, I'm curious if I say the phrase kids for cash, does that mean anything to you? Have you heard about this corruption scandal? I've never heard of this. I'm really interested to hear what you're going to tell us about it today. Um, It sounds really suspicious and icky. (laughs) Yeah, just the name of it. I know I can tell that it's already going to be pretty bad. Yeah, I think whoever like coined that phrase got right to the heart of the ickiness here. Um, I had heard that phrase for a while, but I actually didn't realize that it was rooted in a Pennsylvania case until recently. Um, So essentially, these two former Pennsylvania judges, and it'll become clear why they're former judges in a second here, um, they set up this scheme where they would send kids to for-profit jails and get kickbacks. Um, This was happening in like the early 2000s. It all came to light back in 2009. But the new development this week is that a federal court ordered these two judges to pay more than $200 million in damages to nearly 300 of their victims. So these kids, now adults, uh, who they made money off of while sending them away to private detention facilities. Wow. That's a lot of money. And this is a long Um, time coming. What? Yeah, like $200 million. What happened? Yeah. um, So essentially, these two judges, their names are Mark Chivarella and Michael Conahan. And they basically shut down a county-run juvenile detention facility. And then they got almost $3 million in illegal payments from the builder and co-owner of these two for-profit facilities um, where kids were then sent to. Um, And one of those facilities was actually in Butler County. It was called Western PA Child Care. Um, And so I mentioned this was happening in the early aughts, like 2003 to 2008, during the zero tolerance era, we might remember. So Shivarella often sent kids to detention for like pretty minor offenses, like things like jaywalking or smoking on school grounds. Some of the kids he sent away were as young as eight years old. So like young children getting carted off to these private detention facilities. Um, and for many of these kids, this was the first time they'd gotten in trouble. You know, they're, they're so-called first time offenders. So this is something that really derailed their childhoods. Um, And Shivarella often handed down these sentences really quick, like some of the kids didn't really have a chance to make their case or say goodbye to their family uh, before they were handcuffed and taken away. Oh my goodness. Wow. $200 million uh, for probably that many people, that level of trauma, that doesn't seem like enough money. Is there really ever enough money to bring time back? Yeah, right. And I mean, and I should say it's really heartbreaking, but some of the plaintiffs who signed on to this lawsuit in 2009 didn't actually make it through to the end to to see this this order. Um, Some of them died by suicide or overdoses. And so, um, which I think really just drives home how traumatic this experience was and, and not everybody survived it. Not everyone got to kind of have their moment in court where a judge acknowledged this was hugely damaging and hugely wrong um, and someone needs to pay for that. Yeah. So what happened once that corruption was exposed? Yeah. So after all of this came to light, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court actually threw out around 4,000 juvenile convictions involving more than 2,300 kids. So both of the judges were sentenced to prison time. Chivarella is serving out a 28-year sentence in Kentucky, and Conahan was sentenced to more than 17 years. Um, He actually got out early because of the pandemic, so he's serving out the rest of his term um, in home confinement. Um, So so this 
you know, recent order to pay 200 million in damages is really just like the next step in this process of getting justice. That doesn't, yeah, that, you know, that doesn't even seem like enough time considering that people lost their lives um, behind small mistakes and, and I don't know, eventually getting like traumatized by, uh, by this experience, by being sent away as a kid. Yeah. And like we talked about, like the dollar amount, like that's a lot of money, but is it mm-hmm. enough to account for all that they went through? How did the judge come up with that amount? So this $200 million is a combination of compensatory damages and punitive damages. So for the compensatory damages, the judge decided each plaintiff should uh, each plaintiff in the case deserved this base rate of $1,000 for every day they were wrongfully detained. And then he kind of adjusted that amount from there based on the circumstances of each of each case. Um, and then he said he just made the punitive damages substantial because, in his words, the judges inflict unspeakable physical and emotional trauma on the plaintiffs. Um, so he arrived at you know what he considered a, a pretty substantial number. For anyone who's interested in learning more, I would highly recommend an episode of this podcast called Crime Show that follows the story of one of the victims in this case. She actually got sent to juvenile detention for creating a MySpace page, making fun of her school's vice principal. Um, It's how I learned about this story, and I would highly recommend it. We can drop a link in our show notes. And it also goes into like how this all got exposed. Yeah, we've been talking about some heavy traumatic experiences. So uh, let's talk about something that can help. Yeah. So tomorrow, Pittsburgh is having its first immersive psychedelic education event. It's called EntheoCon. It's at the Union Project in Highland Park. And local health and wellness organizations are raising awareness about the benefits of psychedelic medicine for things like anxiety, depression, PTSD, and addiction. Um, I wanted to bring this up today because I was really, uh, I was interested because I saw author Michael Pollan when he came to town on his tour a few years back for his book, How to Change Your Mind. Uh, There's currently a series based on that book on Netflix with the same name, and I highly suggest checking it out. I didn't plan this out. This is just wild timing, but I'm actually in the middle of that book right now. (laughs) Oh, no way. Well, maybe he'll be able to provide a little bit of extra context here. Um, yeah, that's so cool that you've been reading it. Um, and really neat that people in Pittsburgh are having a meeting of the minds, uh, to talk about this. A lot of people might kind of find this controversial, but, uh, why should we be keeping an open mind about it? Yes. Open mind. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, psychedelics are about to become mainstream and government policies are changing rapidly. So it's a good time to start learning about the ways that these drugs are studied and used, as well as how indigenous cultures have been using them for, well, ever. Um, (laughs) But for example, in Denver, voters decriminalized psilocybin back in 2019. And our sister podcast, CityCast Denver, released an investigative series on the statewide fight to regulate these naturally derived psychedelics like mushrooms, mescaline, ayahuasca, and DMT. Is that what... uh psilocybin psilocybin is yeah psilocybin so that is derived from um a mushroom of a magic mushroom if you want to call it uh we should actually link uh denver's podcast series in our show notes if anyone's interested in learning more yeah it's uh funny that psilocybin 
where uh, I know that there's like a transition toward that word because things like magic mushrooms kind of have like a strong connotation and there's this desire to to get to get people to open their minds about these and move away from some of this loaded language that you know calls to mind someone I don't know in their dorm room in a tie-dye oversized tie-dye t-shirt yeah right or these like psychedelic posters yeah and And like how it was sort of branded in i don't know what was it the 60s the 70s um yeah you're right it's the same thing as like moving from marijuana to cannabis um so we know this isn't the case here in pennsylvania but where in the u.s right now are psychedelics currently legal Cities like Ann Arbor, Michigan, Oakland, California, and Seattle, Washington all have passed measures that essentially decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms and sometimes other psychedelics that are derived from plants or fungi, Uh, but they don't make a distinction between medical and recreational uses, so it's kind of fair game there. Uh, What can people learn from this event? What kind of speakers are going to be there? Yeah, what can people expect? I feel like it's like so far out. (laughs) There's going to be a variety of specialties at the event, like pharmacists, therapists, trauma-informed yoga instructors. And one of the folks that really caught my eye was um, a death doula. She supports people through many stages of the end-of-life process, and she currently volunteers right now at hospice. But um, yeah, that was really interesting to me and just to learn how these drugs are being used to assist people um, who are terminal or or just at the end of their life. Yeah, I mean, that's been one of the most interesting parts of the book to me so far is that, you know, psychedelics are being studied right now with terminal patients and as a tool to help people kind of come to terms with um, with death. Um, and so it just, the uses are so much more expansive than I think kind of the current stereotypes that we might have associated with them. Right. These clinical trials have shown that psychedelics can radically change people's lives um, and they can really help patients feel more hopeful about their time left and more comfortable with, you know, the only inevitable thing that we know in life, which is death. Are any of these trials happening? Um here in Pennsylvania. You know, you'd think with our, you know, medical center here in Pittsburgh, but not yet. Uh, Pennsylvania is always behind these more progressive states when it comes to legislation on on these things. But I was reading a story out of Philly, and it suggests that Pennsylvania could legalize psychedelics for research quicker than it did medical cannabis. So lawmakers are aiming for 2024, 2025. Um, and it's pretty reasonable to assume that um, those, those those clinical trials could start around them. That's not too far away. Yeah, but in the meantime, if you want to learn more, you can head to this event tomorrow. Tickets are $45 and proceeds support the artists and performers at the event. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our team this week includes Natalie Rivera, Meg Dalton, Megan Harris, Mallory Falk, Francesca DeBecco. We're packed this week. And me, the host, Morgan Moody. Music is by Benji. If you haven't yet, please vote for us in City Paper's Best of Pittsburgh poll. We've got a link in our show notes to the People and Places page. That's where we're at. You just scroll down to Best Podcast and give us your vote. We really appreciate it. We'll see you on Monday with more news from around the city. But until then, peace, love, and have a nice trip.
Yeah. Like Seattle. I could see California. I could see Ann Arbor, Michigan. I don't know. You don't know. Maybe there's a little enclave. Big college town. Yeah. Maybe the youngins pushed for it. 